following is a set of three devotions that were preached on Christmas Eve, December 24th, 2022, at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horb, Wisconsin. They were based on the story of Jesus' birth recorded in the Gospel according to St. Matthew. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. There are certain things that we all use this time of year that occasionally need to be replaced. I'm thinking of batteries, for example. So you get a new toy for Christmas and you use it day and night and so the batteries run out and then what do you do? You replace them. You throw out the old ones and you put in some new ones. And yet there are other things that we make use of this time of year that don't need to be replaced. Instead, they just need to be transformed. You might be tempted to think that there's something wrong with them, but then you find out that there isn't when those things simply change. The example that came to mind as I was thinking about this this past week is actually an ingredient that perhaps you used in some of your holiday baking this year. I'm talking about vanilla. I remember the first time I discovered that little jar of vanilla sitting there on a shelf in my mom's cupboard, and I thought it would be a great idea to take a swig. I mean, what could possibly go wrong, right? I knew I liked vanilla ice cream, I liked vanilla frosting, I liked vanilla candy bars, and so straight vanilla right out of the jar, that was going to taste just as good, maybe even better. It didn't. And it wasn't because there was anything wrong with the vanilla, it wasn't past its expiration date. No, the vanilla didn't need to be replaced, it simply needed to be transformed. And of course, that's the very thing that happens when you add other ingredients to the vanilla, like when you are baking a batch of Christmas sugar cookies. Sometimes things need to be replaced, sometimes they simply need to be transformed, and that's a very important thing for us to keep in mind as we consider the two things that this afternoon service is focused on. I'm talking about fear and joy. It is very easy for us to think that if there is something in our life that is causing us fear, it needs to be replaced with something that will instead bring us joy. If our circumstances, whatever it is that we might be going through, is causing us to be afraid, it's easy for us to think that those circumstances need to change. But that's not always the case. Sometimes, instead, you simply need to add another ingredient. And that ingredient that can actually transform whatever it is that is causing us fear into something that will cause us joy is the very ingredient that we've been talking about in our worship the last few weeks, the ingredient of Emmanuel, God with us. Because in Jesus, God is with us. He is not a God who is distant and aloof and somehow far away, not the kind of God that we need to stand on our tiptoes to reach up to the very top shelf in the cupboard to pull down to us. Instead, he is a God who actually adds himself into the mixed-up mess that so often is our world and is our own lives. And Emmanuel is an ingredient that can actually transform whatever it is that's causing us fear and turn it into something that causes us joy. Like, for example, when you are waiting. 
Waiting is what you do when you have this picture in your head of some sort of better future, and for whatever reason, that better future never arrives in the present. No matter how long it's been, you're still waiting and waiting and waiting, so much so that eventually you might be afraid that that better tomorrow is never going to become today. But then add Emmanuel, and that source of fear instantly becomes a source of joy. Why? Because Emmanuel is proof that God always keeps his promises. Waiting for something that that we've dreamed up is one thing, but waiting for something that God has promised is something else entirely. When God promises something, he always delivers, which means that the longer we have to wait for it, the more joy we can actually have. Like, for example, when a man who is already 75 years old is promised that he is going to have a child, and then he has to wait another 24 years until he is 99. And then this man named Abram finally hears that this long-awaited child is going to arrive. And all of that waiting instantly becomes a source of joy, causes him to burst out into laughter, in fact. Or take, for example, when God promises to send mankind a savior. After mankind fell into sin, it took God all of five seconds to promise to send a Savior, and then he sent that Savior thousands of years later. When that Savior finally arrived, all of that waiting was not something to criticize. Instead, as as Matthew's Gospel shows us, it was something to celebrate. Every single generation was worth remembering as testimony that the Savior had arrived not too late, not too slow, His arrival had been just right. The amount of time had been perfect and complete. You can maybe think of it this way. Let's say that somehow you knew in advance, you were guaranteed that whatever football team you cheer for was going to win their must-win football game, either today or tomorrow. The outcome was already guaranteed. If that were the case, which game would you rather watch? Would you rather have them kick a field goal in the first 30 seconds of the game and then have nothing happen for the next three hours? Or would you rather have them be behind the entire game and then have to pull out a desperate last-second comeback? Which of those two games would bring you more joy? So as you wait for much more serious victories, as you wait for God to defeat evil, and sin and death, just as he has promised. As you wait for him to dry every tear from your eyes, as you wait for him to deliver that unimaginable future that he has prepared for you. Emmanuel is proof that God always delivers what he promises, which means that Emmanuel turns our fear into joy even when we're waiting. Or, for example, when you are wondering. Wondering is what you do not when God has promised you something, but when you have planned something. You've done all the math, you've run all the calculations, you've come up with the perfect formula for success, you've got all the steps 
laid out in perfect sequence in one year and three year and five year increments, you have a plan. And then something unexpected happens. And not the kind of unexpected thing that happens quite a bit that maybe you can even plan for, but the kind of unexpected thing that seems to only happen to you. The kind of unexpected thing that seems to break all of the rules and laws for how life is just supposed to work. And it leaves you confused and perplexed and wondering, worried perhaps, that no matter how thoroughly and how carefully you plan, maybe that plan is never going to come to fruition. But then you add Emmanuel, and that source of fear transforms into a source of joy. Why? Because we have a God who is in the business of working wonders. He's actually the God who sets up in the first place all of those rules and laws that govern how life is supposed to work, those rules and laws that so often we can just depend and rely on, but he is also very much a God who loves to break all of his own rules. Like, for example, when a young man named Joseph is planning to get married to a young woman named Mary, and he's got a plan. It's a plan that really banks on certain natural, biological, reproductive processes. Joseph, no doubt, has a plan that once he is married to Mary, he's going to participate in those processes, and as a result, they maybe will have children someday. But even more than that, he is banking on the fact that if he doesn't participate in those processes, there aren't going to be any children showing up anytime soon. And then all of a sudden, Joseph receives the news that his wife-to-be is very unexpectedly expecting. And if the laws and the rules for how life is normally supposed to work were the explanation for this, then the conclusion Joseph could have reached would have been clear. Obviously, Mary had been unfaithful to him. He had every right to bring the relationship to an end. One way or another, all of his plans had been ruined. But that wasn't the explanation. Instead, this pregnancy was an act of wonder. A virgin was with child. And this child would be the son of Mary, but also the son of God. And not only was the, the birth of this child an act of wonder, but one of his names would actually be Wonderful Counselor. In other words, all of the plans for Jesus' life for you and for your life in him are full of wonder. They defy explanation from beginning to end. Now, it's always a little bit dangerous to try and speculate for ourselves where maybe perhaps in our own lives God has violated those rules for how things normally work, maybe even in a way that could be described as miraculous. You maybe have some examples, some guesses. God is certainly still a God who is full of wonder, but at the very same time, his ways are still very much hidden from our view. And yet there is one very important way in which all of us can say that God has worked wonders in our lives. 
You see, there are, there are other laws that exist in our world that are almost as reliable as those natural, biological, reproductive processes. Laws that sound like this. What you get out depends on what you put in. Good ought to be rewarded. Evil ought to be punished. What goes around eventually comes around, and people should be treated based on what they deserve. All makes perfect sense, and so much of life works just like that. And in Jesus, God breaks every single one of those rules. In fact, that's the, the meaning of that other name that Joseph heard, the name you'll hear in just a second. This child was named Jesus, not because he would help those who help themselves, not because he would love the lovable or reward those who are worthy. No, his name would be Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. Wonder of all wonders. And so Emmanuel is proof that any cause of fear is transformed into a cause of joy, even when you are wondering. Or, for example, when you are wandering. Wandering is what happens when you, you have a plan and the plan actually turns out as planned. And it seems like you have everything that you could ever want, everything that you had ever planned for, and yet you have this nagging sense that something is still missing, something is still incomplete, something that forces you to keep searching. Wandering is a state that we don't like to be in. And in fact, proof of that is how far we are willing to go in order to avoid it. If we do have a plan, and if everything goes according to script, we are willing to go to any length to keep things that way. Fear of losing this life that we have built, this little kingdom that maybe we have set up, will cause us to do just about anything, to put down anything that would threaten it. But add Emmanuel, and that source of fear instantly becomes a source of joy. Why? Because Emmanuel is proof that God is really good at locating and finding and welcoming wanderers. God is not a, a God for those who somehow manage to set up this perfect little life, this little kingdom for themselves, and are hell-bent on protecting it. No, instead, God is a God for those to whom home seems far, far away. Like, for example, when an evil and wicked man wants nothing more than to be a king, and so he connives and he kills until he has a crown sitting on his head, but then he gets word that a child has been born, a child who has been dubbed King of the Jews, his title. And so he launches and he carries out his most wicked and insidious plot yet, slaughtering innocent children just to protect what he has. Compare that with those other men who are part of the Christmas story that we often refer to as kings. In the land that they were from, they probably had some amount of power. They probably had 
respect and renown. They certainly had some amount of wealth, and yet something still must have been missing because they were willing to wander. They came to Jerusalem all the way from the east, and they came to worship the very baby that King Herod wanted to kill. The very thing that was for him a cause of fear was for them a source of joy because they realized that even though in this strange and distant land they were outsiders in every sense of the word, they didn't belong at all. They realized that God had moved heaven and earth. He had used a miraculous star to give them a front row, all-access pass to the Savior. God is still very good at finding and locating wanderers. I'm not suggesting that tonight you should go out and look up into the sky and expect to see some sort of message written across the stars. I'm certainly not suggesting that you should pay any attention whatsoever to what your horoscope says in Monday morning's newspaper. What I am suggesting is that no matter how many plans you make and no matter how many times those plans work out pretty well, chances are you'll still find that something is missing, something still lacking, something that forces you to keep searching. And what I'm certainly suggesting is that God is still very good at locating and finding and welcoming wanderers. In fact, if we could somehow see all of the different steps, all of the different people, all of the events in all the world that had to happen just so for you to be sitting here tonight, I think that miraculous star would maybe even pale in comparison. And yet here you are. And even better, here God is. Emmanuel, God with us. That ingredient that turns every cause of fear into a cause of joy, even when we're wandering.